that David but says somebody else it's too long. If not, I'll take it. Maybe Cheryl, I don't know. It is too long, and especially given that it's not a musical service, there's chance, there's not floral multi-part stuff, so there's no particular reason to to require to be there. But certainly everyone who made it a habit is a... Well, it used to be, you know, it's the ancient way Easter began, the visual Easter now has become a... Because the West, where I didn't say everyone no. who's serious comes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you I want to clear that. Especially if you're, uh, That's a very, good you're very committed, you have small children, things like that. There are a lot of, you know, ages of life things that make it hard to do. I think I, I came last year for the first time because first time. Uh, our goddaughter was being baptized, so that was Sophie Walton. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But it was my first time to experience it, and I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't made the effort before not understanding. You know, I just didn't understand yeah, it. Yeah. So by the time you do Thursday and Friday and, and Sunday and, and you fast, you know, and you do all those things, I just didn't understand the, the significance or the beauty of Saturday night until last year. It's like, we oh, as a I church, we, we slowly grew into it. We um, we developed it really in the in the nineties over at Westcliff, and then you know just it, it once you it's it's the, the the thing is that that liturgy is the way you you um, enter into an experience, and and it's really without liturgy, it's hard to remember in that way. There's a book, interesting book. Um, by a guy named Drew Johnson, it's kind of might like be a thesis thing called uh, "Knowledge by Ritual." It, it follows on a whole scheme, stream of thought, but he makes the point that throughout the Old Testament, God says, "You know, okay, do this, 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 this. You know, annually, weekly, that you may know." Mm-hmm. And so, so knowing one of the things about in the West. Um, in the Enlightenment and modern period, we, we come to associate knowing with brain and facts. Yeah. And and so, but liturgy is embodied sort of knowing, and you know, you come to know. And the thing thing about liturgy that you can't really understand until you've been there for a while, like it's like after your like tenth year of doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You start things become a little clearer in various ways. Uh, I'm going to top my coffee off, and we'll start. We're a little okay. tired because we had a mass with blessing of oils. It took a little longer, so our yeah. transition time wasn't just generous as it is sometimes. Thank you. Oh, Those sorry. are, uh, my husband said, make sure you tell them they're organic. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's see. Thank you. I'll get into my sonnet. Remembering. Remembering. Let's pray. Blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of thy holy word, you may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hello to all. We are doing our suffering, our uh, servant passages, not the suffering servant. All the passages um, believe you talk a little bit about, about suffering. Mm-hmm. But let's review a little bit what we talked about last week in, in Isaiah 42, and then um, we, looked, we looked at Isaiah 49 also. So what what characterizes the servant? Um, what 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 is his attitude towards the downtrodden, for example? Faintly burning wick, he will not quench. Like if it's, yeah. he doesn't want to s- 
step on people that already feel broken. He doesn't step on people who are broken. Mm. He doesn't. He doesn't. People who are hanging around by a thread. He doesn't cut the thread. Mm. How does that relate to the to the to the idea of justice mm-hmm. of, of bringing justice? Because he says um, he he will not. Um, he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles, and um, he will not fail nor discourage to establish justice in the earth. How does care for the for the um, the marginal, those who are struggling, those who are you know who are who are holding on to faith by a, a thread? What is what is justice? And where, where, where does justice come from, first of all, the concept of justice in the Old Testament? The Torah. The Torah. Mm-hmm. God has said, here's how I speak. What yeah. is, and how does, how does the may Torah... I, may yeah. I share something with you about the Torah? And I'm glad Dean's not here, because he said to me, Carol, this, what's Torah? <laughs> I said, I have no idea. And he said, well, no, Father Scarlett said something in, in class, and you knew the answer. And he said, I think it's a group of people. And I said, I'm really struggling with this game. And he said, I said, you don't mean Torah. Yeah, Torah. I said, oh, okay. I said, well, that's the first five books of the Old Testament. And it's, it's not a group of people. It's books of the Bible. And I said, beyond that, I can tell you the names of them, but beyond that, I don't know. Okay. Right. Torah. How do you spell that? T-O-R-A-H. Okay. But, I mean, he... Well, this is, well that, that, that's significant. I mean, you make it comments, and it, it's, no, it's no slight on Dean. A lot of people, you know, I realize in our Bible study... We have people here who've been doing this for a long time who I can throw out references. I know what that means. And we have people like, what's he saying? Mm-hmm. I, I believe, though, that the way that Dean learned that is the way you ought to learn it. And yeah. so that if, if um, you hear something, what's he talking about? Mm-hmm. It's interesting, you know, once upon a time in the pre-computer age, you wanted to mm-hmm. learn something, maybe I'll find a library. Or maybe I'll, mm-hmm. you can literally, I mean, there's a ba- lot of bad things in the Internet, but you can... You can ask it certain what knowledge questions <laughs> and access a wealth of things that people yeah. like, I don't I can't find it. Well, it's, it, it's there's things you don't want to ask the internet because it only tell you what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But things like like what is the Torah mm-hmm. would, would get you a pretty good a pretty decent answer. If, and there's a lot of if you didn't think it was Tara. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, right. Tara, I think you're going to get gone with the wind. But, but let's, so, so to, to um, I think this is very, this very important to these concepts because we want to understand that the servant that he's talking about here is highly rooted in the Old Testament. It's not like some new thing now that we're doing. The servant's going to call him unsufferer, where the Old Testament says other things. And so, how does Concern for the for the marginal, the downtrodden, relate to the justice of the poor. That's what he taught them to do. Like how? Leaves part of your crops. Okay, yeah. there's a lot of things like that. Like when you harvest your fields, you you don't you don't um, you don't pick everything off every tree. You leave the edges unharvested so the poor can come eat. And when you're when you're when you're harvesting, if something happens to drop, you leave it mm-hmm. and you move on. And we talked last time about what book of the Bible shows how someone on the margins got Ruth, got, Ruth, got cared for this way. What mm-hmm. other um, the jubilee, the forgiving jubilee, of debts, setting, setting giving back the, the land, uh, uh, canceling all debts, saying all, and there were some interim ways that that happened too. I, I'm not prepared to articulate. Every seven years, some freedoms happen. Every 50 years, especially all land was returned to its original owner. So, um, I just want to say that God's God's will is that provision is made for people on the margins, more particularly, I think, even in the preventative way. I, I'm really not 
on an economic soapbox here, but but that that he the Torah in its ideal state is set up in such a way that nobody can accumulate a great deal of advantage to take advantage of others. That that was why the property stay with your tribe. No one gets to buy it all up and then you know say who can and can't have it. So the society that God sets up, it's not that it's not that um, for example, let's let's talk on the other side of um, industry and things like that. So you have your land, you can work it or not work it. You can be lazy and slothful. <clears throat> there's there's some proverbs about that. Behold, the lazy man, he you know, is sleeping and his crops are growing, he doesn't pick them, he doesn't pull the weeds and doesn't the diligent. So just because you're in 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 Torah justice you've been given things, um, doesn't mean you know you're entitled to you know, you have to plant the field and you have to harvest the field. So it's not, it's not a, um, what I'm saying, I think this idea of, of helping those in the margins is not, they don't have to. And this kind of comes out of the New Testament where St. Paul says to the Thessalonians, um, if they won't work, don't let them eat. But then on the other hand, the, the Torah prohibited vast accumulations of wealth in the hands of a few. And this actually was, if we go back to Samuel, when when uh, they first said, we want a king, we want a king. You know, God said, well, tell him that here's mm-hmm. what the king's going to do. Mm-hmm. He's going to start taxing you. Right. And he's going to tax you not just for himself, but he's going to have a whole bunch of servants yeah. who, who you, you're going to pay for. And um, we have a little bit of a problem with that now. I, 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 I lo- I'm loath to wade into because I'm not just not for me partisan at all. But I, I read some I read something uh, where you know people are 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 um, everyone wants to cut spending, but no one's cutting programs. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you, so we're, we have we have a, 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 a yeah, this, we have the, the same issue comes up. Um, That's why my own my own soapbox I'm at is I think the island is much more local and regional self sufficiency than this where people where because the more you're connected to it, but we're not gonna we're not gonna get the, the completely just order in this world. Mm-hmm. We we can witness for it. And it's certainly better when it's possible to to advocate for these kinds of things. My, our point here is a servant in in bringing justice. He is going to um, care for those in the margins who often have 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 fallen into the cracks created by a system where 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 wealth is is where powerful people can can deprive people of rights. And that's that's uh, every culture kind of thing. So I just want to make sure we understand that the, the, the downtrodden, that's what it means. Uh, that's what it means. I have one question about lending. <clears throat> if, would God be mad if, say, I lent Jack some, something, Please. and he didn't, and he didn't <laughs> pay it back, and at the end of seven years, I forgive him? Okay. If he comes to me again, do I have to lend him money again? So, so first of all, yes. it's, it's, it's difficult. Oh, this is Jack. Let us be clear about one thing about the Torah. It's very difficult to um, take snippets of Torah justice and impose them into our system. For example, we are we you know we we are in a, in a culture where people yeah do, people do get large tracts of property they can parcel out and sell for a lot more. And there are a lot of things that go on, so it's very hard. I I don't know that the church ever believed that that being just means everyone we lend money to we have to cancel it seven years later. Um, Especially if they no, know that, that. No, if somebody if somebody has not. Uh, <laughs> in seven years. I've often <laughs> said to people who who said someone wants to borrow money from me or something, if it's someone they know or want to help. I say only do it if you're prepared to let it all go. That's right. As a gift. That's right. As a gift. If you if you don't need it back, do it. But if this is going to become a thing, you know, don't do it. Don't yeah. do it. To have some other arrangement, figure something else out. Because the other problem with that, this is this is not from the servant passages, but this is <laughs> this is a general problem with charity. Is in our view of it is that <clears throat> when we do something that. Um, doesn't uh, face the reality of a thing. Um, 
somebody's in trouble, we can't really solve it, but we, okay, here it is. And we actually prohibit, we actually are, are inhibit the creation of a real solution. So you, 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 that's a hard thing about about that when you're helping people sometimes go, I really can't help you. And that's that's the hard thing. And our, our, there's a lot of, so I, I, there's no easy way to do this. It's why, it's why um, if you, when you really want to help people, you have to first have a relationship with them. So I, I, if I'm, if I'm the, you know, people I, I you know, I've, I've, uh, if I'm going to give somebody, I want to know who it is, why, what I hope to accomplish with it, um, what the end game is. Well, I think, and, and, or if I just want to give somebody something, because I think that's, I don't think every single gift has to have, well, this won't, you know, I mean, sometimes you just, you know, I I once, um, I see Mimi there, I was coming back from Bible study up in uh, Powell's Rudy's at Mimi's house, and I stopped by, um, got gas in Carson, and um, it's an area where there's some interesting people, and so this woman came up and <laughs> was pumping gas, and she uh, clearly was addicted, yeah. you know, just, and, but she's like, hey, can I, can you, you know, can I, I said, look, I'm, I'm pumping gas. So you go to the mini mart and get what you want and uh, I'll buy it for you when I come out. So mm-hmm. I, I, I went there. She brought up a package of white sugar donuts, mm-hmm. a, a bag of candy, and a monster energy drink. Oh. And I just kind of smiled. It's like this, I, I bought it for her. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't saving her, but I... It was for her something there. I can't change her life, but I was willing to do something there for her that day. Uh, but sometimes I'm much less willing to do that, and it is someone who's who just uh, you know that's a discretion we have to make. Mm-hmm. And and I wasn't I wasn't doing this to think oh she this will change her life now she she want to go check into rehab because <laughs> I don't even know her story I can't know her story I'm, I'm on my way home yeah fifteen minutes away. But if you want to really know, if you really want to get involved with help someone, you have to get to know them. And that's 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 hard. Because you get a relationship and you find out they're not always honest with you, and you you'll find out what people in homeless ministry find out that you have to have boundaries and things. You have to say no and yes. And so, uh, well, anyway, so back to back to the servant is that. Um, oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about this. So, would part of the servant description, maybe not in here, but talk. But pay the, the the price of getting to know that person. That's part of being a servant. That's right. I think that's right. And I think I think this is well. In general, <clears throat> culturally, we like to give money uh, because it's easier. Right. I mean, listen. You if you if you're going into the grocery store and someone's going to help me. You know, uh, first of all, that's probably a situation that is no win. You can't really have a conversation. It's not a setting, uh, especially people on the roadside. They know you can't stop. That's why they're there. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but should should you be somewhere where where was equivalent to that, and you're walking by, um, it's a lot easier here. If you have five bucks, better just say, "What's your name? Where are you from?" Would you like to get a cup of coffee sometime? What's your story? And um, but I, I think the the problem is, and, and I think this is something worse, like a, a church community. This because it does pertain to questions of of what the servant should do. Because as we follow this through, we're going to we're going to discover a connection that says. This is the servant who is clearly Christ. But we are baptized into Christ. We are members of his body. And the ministry that he performed in Israel, somehow we share. Mm-hmm. So we are supposed to be concerned for people on the march. And so how are we going to um, how are we going to do that? And it's a hard question. And let's 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 face it as such. Um, we have to realize, I think, on some of we we can't save the world, we can't save everyone. But as a church, I think, as a body, if we're going to to engage someone, the relational side is really important. Um, 
There was a book, uh, um, I've visited this for a while, but the book When Helping Hurts was a book, but in that book, he quoted a guy <clears throat> named uh, Myers who, who'd written a book called Walking with the Poor, and he said that the, the thesis was all poverty is relational and it's fourfold. And what, if I can remember what it is, it's, it's poverty in relationship to God, it's poverty in relationship to oneself, a, a poor self-concept, it's poverty in relationship to other people, <clears throat> it's poverty in relationship to the creation, that is, you don't really know how to use your gifts. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with mere economic help, and this is a big thing in our culture, is that it doesn't solve any of those relational poverties. It, it mm -hmm. doesn't. It, it gives you something for the day. It doesn't help you do anything. And um, this is one of the flaws. I think it's actually a an anthropological flaw because what we believe in, what we've come to believe in the modern world, is that people are basically good. Mm -hmm. And this was, I think, the flaw of the 20th century welfare state creation. So people are basically good, and they lack something. Then, if you give them what they lack, that, that's that's it. That's all you, you know. So, therefore, basically, people who are poor just need money. Basically, good people who have a house just need a house, and it, it, it avoids any of the you know how did the systemic reasons might be. Um, and it may it may not be there. They may have been born a family where you know all kinds of things happen. But unless you deal with those things, you're not really going to solve it. So, as a church, I think we have to kind of deal with issues. There's a good reason to deal with an organization like the Orange Rescue Mission because nobody can do nobody can help the really marginal people alone. For one reason, they they're anonymous for a reason. They don't want you to know them, mm -hmm. and they come by because they. And they've come, if they've come here, they've been down at Mariners, and they've been everywhere, and everyone's had this. So we, we have a basic policy. People come, hey, can you help me with some food, with some coffee, you know, what you can do. And if you want more than that, well, let's meet next week and talk about it. In general, I try to not respond to the emergency, the crisis, uh, because um, that's part of the problem. And then, but sometimes people come into our community and, and you try to log and incorporate them in, a high percentage of them eventually go away because um, they may not be prepared to face that kind of accountability and love. And so if you're going to love people on the margins, be prepared for non-reciprocation and sadness. But just be, but you do it because we're the body of Christ. Jesus, you know, Jesus healed the man by the pool of Bethesda who ratted him out. And he knew he didn't want to get well. I, mean, that's, I find that humorous. I find the John Stewart humorous. Do you want to get well? The answer clearly was no. But Jesus had made him, well, get up. He took away his excuse. And I think he was mad about it. And this, it's kind of what happens when you really help some people. You take away their excuse. They get really mad at you. Yeah. And they'll... But if you don't have them, get mad too, because they're just mad. Yeah, they're mm -hmm. there in the wound. So, so there's no easy way to go about this. There's a community where people come in. Also, I, I discovered this a while back too. We had a guy people were helping. He'd come, very very bright man. You might know this guy, Jack. He's an African American guy. He, he actually been to Stanford, I think. Went to Tuesday night group for a while, and got some help from some people there. And I, when I discovered, they're like, oh. He's getting, I didn't know that help was happening, and, and I, we were thinking things over here. <laughs> wow. So I kind of, let's all figure out what we're doing here, because, because we're, it's all generally a, a function of good hearts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is, people want to help, but they understand that when people show up and they start giving, you, you're, you're probably, you know, you, you, all you're, you are is you've entered into um, helping people 101. Yeah. So you got to talk to people who are in the 500 level classes. Right. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm no expert, but I've, I've certainly been through the introductory level classes. Like, <laughs> like we used to have a guy um, come by on Thursday morning over at Westcliff Drive where he built his church, and we have Bible study on Thursday. Mr. Tono for a long time, and um, 
He'd come by and ask for um, stuff, and I'd get him stuff, pay for a hotel room one night. Uh, he'd come by, and, uh, and finally I said, you know, um, I, I pointed out the problem with this program of the Salvation Army. I said, you know, I'll, I'll take you out there, you know, and let's, let's, get, let's, let's look at that. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'm going to go check in. So he said, he told me he'd arranged to get, to get in the program. So I didn't see him for a few weeks. I actually called out there. And I said, uh, you know, is there a man named Richard in the program? <laughs> and I got to know him, say my name Richard. So about a month, about a month later, he came back, you know, and met back at church. He said, uh, I said, if I went to the program. He said, I did, you know, well, yeah, yeah, I know why it didn't work out. That's why I called him with it, said you weren't there. Time for about 30 seconds. Okay, I lied. Will you help me? <laughs> no. And after what you're realizing there is um, people who are on the street are knowing how to survive. Mm -hmm. They know how to make you feel good about helping their need. Mm -hmm. But they have no, they have no, they don't receive it as, oh, thank you. They'll say that. Right. They'll like, God bless you. She's bitter. They're bitter. Uh -huh. So um, that's why the best help can be uh, often to say no and require things. And if they if they aren't willing, yeah, again, food, things like this. But if they aren't willing to do certain things, uh, and that they need to be able to do certain things. If they're not willing to do certain things, that means you can't help them. Yeah. You can give some food. And you can be kind, but you can't help them. And it's also something I think this is something I, you know, if you want to help, there also has to be some boundaries, even, even like discipline. I, I don't think just because you're homeless, you ought to be able to go to the bathroom in the, in the middle. Like this, the St. Thomas meets out in Fullerton at this Lutheran church. They have a big homeless ministry. It's like hmm. I don't think being homeless or even half crazy gives you the, gives you the right to be rude. No. to everybody and, and ignore. So that's kind of what's happening. Oh, this feeling sorry for us. We're just like, and it's, it's right out of, uh, for those who've been in the past, we're right out of Friedman. And if, you know, that, that, that the, it's, it's like they, they, they've developed um, a way of functioning around. They just take everything. And once they take it, they'll consume it. Uh -huh. and, and they have to be broken from that. But, but that means boundaries. No, you can't be here if you're going to do that here. I don't care what the problem is. So there's a boundary and a love, and that's that's the problem, you see, because without boundaries, you can't have a relationship with anybody. That's why they're there, because mm -hmm. everybody tells them to get lost, because nobody, because they break the boundaries. Mm -hmm. So, it, you know, it is, so anyway, to get back to the servant passages, we can't take the justice that the servant is bringing to the Gentiles by enacting Torah, uh, for all uh, to mean that it's a simple thing for us to to help everybody who's on the street and solve their problems. It's, it's hey, Bishop, Bishop, can yeah. I ask, is it possible for you to turn your mic on? And be, what's happening, it up what everybody else is doing, and, and it's sometimes it's hard to hear you because it it's picks on. up. The only mic that I can have on is on. I'm on your Computer is what I was wondering. Well, it'll have feedback all over the place. It can't okay. work. Yeah. Okay. You're, you're sound a little choppy. Yeah. Can someone else talk? Jim and Phyllis, can you hear us? You see. Yeah, yeah, we can hear, but it constantly kind of does sound a little choppy. Hmm. Uh, it's probably signal. It's okay. I yeah, it's fine. Working yeah, so it, I'll show you. I mean, just to give you a sense. If, if I, I have, have that, that on, it, yeah, <laughs> it won't work. Okay, at all. I thought I'd ask. I'm sorry. You, I think we've had better luck with this. I don't know why this is having a problem today. Is this something you've experienced most classes? Uh, no. I think maybe if you move them, I don't know where it is that the the sound well, piece. It's a little closer to me closer. here. Is that is that sound better? Um. No, you don't sound better, but I think it, what it does is it picks up the, 
the sound of everybody, um, everybody, everybody on the table versus you sometimes. So that's okay though. We'll get through it. <laughs> Thank you. I thought I'd ask though. No, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the, in the comment because I, I, it hasn't been in very noisy here today. I don't think anyone's really made any noise. So. No, it's just kind of picking up the table, you know, the sound from the table. If you're, you know, it's not anyone's being noisy. It's just, it's just, it could be just from my end is all. So that's okay. Right. Thank you. Um, so, so, and, and this, this is the idea that if we want to help people, it's always costly to help people. And that might be the lesson of the cross. Jesus wants to help us. He dies for us. He doesn't, you know, Throw down a, a a free a free meal. <laughs> so if we're going to help people, we're going to have to we're going to have to have a relationship with them. And then you realize some people you want to help don't want to have a relationship with you. Mm -hmm. We get in the whole dynamic of the gospel. Repent, come into relationship with me. <laughs> okay, so that's our boundaries of helping. We have to be able to define what people need to do to get well. If they don't want to do it, then that's that's Justice has a concern for them component, but also responsibility from them component. You know, and um, it's it's uh, there's both sides of that. I mean, in our own in our own politics, the right of spectrum tends to be focused on yeah, need to work and, and and free market, and the left side tends to be focused on oh, we have to care for people and all this and just give give give. The balance is somewhere in between yeah. of of we have to be concerned, but we also have to understand that to get better, you have to also begin to be to to use your gifts and and, and solve those relational poverty. So, I also think and this is something that's really central to our own approach to ministry is that the primary poverty in our time is relational poverty, and it's why for us evangelism is is framed increasingly in terms of hospitality. And social space and community building because um, uh, we're we're in a, a a culture where people are disconnected and they don't have deep connect. No, they're not known and they don't know. And and this is the 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 tragedy really of social media is it connects people so widely and so thinly and the connections you make are even they're false because you've. You've put yourself out there as someone that doesn't, it's not where you're not honest about what's really going on. And everyone else has done the same thing. But that's just as bad as being surface Christians at church. How's it going? Oh, it's great. How's it going? Oh, great. That's good. You know, only we get down to saying, no, this is going on with me. And we share what's really going on at deeper levels in our lives. Can we have a real community? <clears throat> this is why uh, I've, I've, just, I've determined that it is, as a church, um, and as a ministry, I've, I've realized no, I can't really help anybody who doesn't want to have a commitment to a life of prayer and also have a commitment to being self-reflective, to taking some responsibility for their own life. So people want to come and need help, and yet, you know, they're, they're not going to settle into a relationship with God where they're going to, you know, have to face themselves a little bit. And they always want to blame. Well, they, they, you know, okay, we blame all those people. And let's talk about your role in your life. Mm -hmm. And if they want to do that, I don't try anymore. I used to chase a lot more than I do now. I get, you have to realize sometimes you just can't help. Sometimes you just, it's sad. Because people, literally, people do walk away whom you could help if they were willing. <clears throat> and th this is, I think this might be one of the, Chief complaints against God on one level he says, well, he, you know, um, gives all these arbitrary rules. But the, the bigger complaint might be he lets people be free. I, I've met, I, I sort of reflect that this morning in our morning prayer meditation where, you know, Judas is free to leave the apostolic company, free to walk away and sell out his Lord because he doesn't like the way he's doing it. I think he despised the foot washing. It's my, it's my opinion. All right. So, the, so that there was. So let's and then. Uh, so that's kind of we looked at the, the the Torah idea, 
and the margin lies, those things really go hand in hand are the main points I wanted to highlight there. Um, the other thing that, that, was, um, that was brought out um, in the second servant passage, to whom is he bringing justice? Brought on both sort of passages. What new, what new group? Israel and the coastlands. The coastlands are synonymous with whom? The Gentiles. The Gentiles. All other nations besides um, and, and that's what's said in, in the second servant passage from 49. Um, it is a small thing that you should be my servant, verse 6, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. So your servant passages clearly universalize the gospel, and it takes the covenant made with a particular people and makes it now all can become part of, part of true Israel. We looked at some of that stuff last week. So let's look today at, 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 the, at the new, a new passage, uh, chapter 50, verse 4 through 11. Um, I can close the door. Yeah, we do that. Okay. And what, what's interesting here in, in uh, 50 is that um, <coughs> as, as in the, the last servant uh, passage of 49, that the servant himself speaks. 50, chapter 50, verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak. That I should not speak a word in season to him who is weary. Now it's interesting if we, knowing, in, you know, in Isaiah, this is somebody whom God has given the gift of speech. Of course, how how would you, in Old Testament um, terms, what kind of person is given the gift of speech like this? Prophets. A prophet. The word of the Lord came to me. In so it, it, it really speaks of, uh, and, and, and also, a word in season to him who is weary, which also harkens to that sort of marginalized, tired, those, um, and be able to speak, you know, uh, a fitting word. But in the larger context, understanding this is Christ, where, where would that context, where would that concept of, of the Lord God giving him a word, what's the larger setting of that? Jesus Genesis is the word. One. He is the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God said, and then John tells, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, the word was God. So this, only in light of the incarnation, do we understand, oh, yes, he, because he is the one who perfectly knows the will and word of the Father to be able to speak his will to those who are, are weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Now this ear thing is, is uh, it goes on in verse 5, the Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Um, <clears throat> can you think of anything in the New Testament where Jesus talks about the ear in this way? Huh? Yeah. yeah. Well, we to, you, you're on track. Yeah, but I can't. So think of the parable of the sower and the seed. Those who one. can hear, let them hear. So, yeah, Jesus tells the parable of the sower and the seed. Guy went out to sow some seed, threw it around. Some grew, some didn't. We then he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Like, so what, remember in that story what, what happened after that? What the disciples, what the disciples do? Because they didn't get it either. They ask him to explain it. Ask him to explain oh, yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So, in order to have ears to hear, you, you have to, it seems like, pursue some. 
<clears throat> that that knowledge in this way is not just um, on the surface of the thing, but meaning is hidden within the thing, with, hidden within the creation, mm -hmm. and is revealed. Um, this is where uh, Jesus says. Um, Ask and will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened, <clears throat> which presumes a kind of ongoing activity of trying to determine what God is saying. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the servant is someone who hears. He listens for the voice. He discerns between God's will and other voices and chooses the will of God. And this is really our own uh a fruit of our prayer. I think it's a fruit of our prayer, and it's also a fruit of community. Why, why is community necessary to hear rightly? Get feedback. Yeah. People. What? People see you. They well, see let's, you. In but let's yep. say, let's say, for example, you um, you went to your prayer this morning. Okay, the Lord spoke to me. Told me I need to do this. If, if it's if it's something other than, you know, I should do a kind of thing today, if it's going to change your life, um, you might want to say, come to a trusted spiritual friend and say, you know, I think God is asking me to do this, so I think, what do you think? Mm -hmm. And someone might say, well, that sounds crazy. Because <laughs> I've had people, have that happen. That's how you get, you get your, so the body of Christ is, is, is why the tradition of the church in its ancient and Catholic sense is so important because the the common understanding of the church throughout ages, if you hear something that is blatantly at odds with that, then you don't have God has not opened your ear. You you you're hearing uh, a lying spirit like like um and you're here, you have, or like St. Paul would call it, itching ears. <laughs> we all have itching ears. I know I don't want to hear. So, Jesus naturally does this, but for us to do that, we must be deeply rooted in God and then in relationships that can, and, uh, and this is not even that, even if we're um, like, have a tendency to go off. Like I, I certainly, like I, I would say for me, like I, I tend to be more of a visionary in terms of what I can see. I'll, I'll, I'll oh yeah, we can do this. And I can charge in. So it's good for me to sit down with people, you know, close to me and staff and say, so I'm thinking about, and they think, well, have you thought about that? The answer is no. <laughs> so it doesn't cancel out the vision. But it, but it, it rounds out. Okay, we're going to need to think about that. We're going to need to think about this, and that's where you where, where input helps you. It doesn't mean that God didn't speak to you, but you may have a part of it. And and most of what we're going to do, we're not going to do all by ourselves. And that's usually a big problem in church when somebody's really getting a lot of the Lord spoke to me kind of things. Um, you know. I, I, there's some churches have the, you know, the guy, you, you know, the person up front, the guy or girl, and so these churches uh, that um, God, the Lord spoke to me today. Okay, well, <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> like I just like to have some discernment of spirits here before we like. For example, there was a church um, in our general tradition, not in our church, that um, where people. You know, got really alienated because the, the you know the guy was very charismatic, but he he you know he he had raised money by by encouraging people to take out mortgages and things like that, and and some people did it later. You know, they get you know, and you just you just so that would be you know it's one thing. So you have a vision for something, but then if it's really a vision, well then pray about it, sit in it, stay with it. God will show how he wants you to fund it in ways that are, you know, accord with right, right, but not getting people into, into trouble like that. So the, the ear of, 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 um, of opening our ears.
And his, he, he was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Now, verse 6 is interesting. I gave my back to those who struck me, my cheek to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. Now, that's interesting. That comes right on the heels of hearing, the hearing, having ears to hear. Because what God has called them, therefore, is to suffer for the cause of what is right. And he's willing to do it. And he's not rebellious. He humbles himself. So that's a key ingredient to hearing, actually. Yeah, well, I think so. Well, we'll th- let's think about our own lives. You know, you're hearing the word, the will of God, and you realize, oh, that means... <laughs> like, uh, Balaam. Let's find another mountain to ask God. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. So... Obedience always involves some form of, 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 of patient endurance through opposition. We may not get hit in the face and spat on, but somebody will look like, yeah. And that's, um, so the servant is characterized by perseverance in doing the right thing uh, through well, suffering. Even if you're saying no to someone because you know, like you've given them all these chances, you've got to say no. But there's this part of you that's like, but I want to be the good guy, but you know, or whatever is distorted from, I know, from my childhood. But it's like, no, this is patient endurance of someone saying you're an evil person because you're not bringing me this 12 pack of beer. Okay. That's, that's right. Hard. That, that, that's that, that's mm-hmm. right. So standing up for oneself against um, against manipulative people, you know that that's um, our own complicity in that is we want to make everyone happy, want to, and that's not necessarily what right. what well, God I, wants. So this I, is this I, is why I'm good. I think that goes back to the the body of Christ of supporting one another. Yeah, yeah those things are hard. Are like, hey, yeah, keep those, standing. Right. Those things are hard, and that's why we need one another in that capacity as well, as a body of Christ to come along saying, and say, you did the right thing. Just mm-hmm. hang in there. Yeah. So many people, if they heard you say that, would think you were some sort of a nut. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I, I really, <laughs> I, I, I have friends that are, are, um, A-religious, I guess. I mean, it, 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 they have zero interest and can't understand, particularly Holy Week. I mean, and I think it's sort of, I mean, it's sad, but I don't know what to do about it. Well, it, it's very, I mean, but we should be aware of it, it of, um, of what it's about, and really the, the sort of the, the the theme of the servant passages here that that we live in a culture that um, is um, the only the highest and best good in our culture outside those who are serious about the kingdom of God is what a Canadian philosopher referred to as ordinary human flourishing. And this means being generally healthy, generally prosperous, having good, all those kind of things. So the concept that um, that representing God in the world might disrupt one of those temporal, some temporal thing, might, for example, cause difficulty in a relationship because you stand for the will and word of God against something, or... Um, that uh, you might, because on moral principle, make an economic decision that costs you, doesn't make any sense. And so th- this is precisely, I think, that the, 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 the horizon of eternity, and, but it's not, I want to say something, it's not just the horizon of eternity, it's the eternal horizon, but even in time, when we stand on principle against opposition, will generally, over horizons of time, find ourselves more at peace, more settled. What we have, we'll enjoy more. And, and so, it, so the, the, the lie of this thing is that even the people who don't want to face, don't want to talk about 
you know, their sins or whatever it is they might have to look at, as they're, they're, they're really, as, as char- our culture is characterized by a great deal of anxiety. Um, for all the people who are going for happiness, they're not really getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, all the things that are in the, in, the, in the news all the time, whether it be the, all the gender issues and all these things, the people who are doing these things, when you go examine how it's working, it's not working very well. So they're not even getting, they're getting a very momentary affirmation, like maybe that week or that, that month, but the long-term trajectory is, is misery. And this would be a people being lied to. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have a lot of this with this, all this, this transgender stuff is absolutely crazy. They, they're, they're having people do things that are, are, are going to make them miserable. Yeah. I was talking to I was at St. Andrew's Abbey yesterday, I went to see Father Francis. He said, they have a monk, Luke, uh, who's a doctor, a uh, trained doctor before he became a monk, but he talked about, he said they're actually, these people doing the heart, they're actually introducing a dis-ease into mm-hmm. people. They're, mm-hmm. they're giving them something that can be treated for the rest of their life. Mm-hmm. And, and, you, and, and, and so from this idea that you're making this heroic stand for something, 20 years later, you just become a freak and no one's going to want to talk to you. Mm-hmm. And, you're like, what? and you'll be angry because, mm-hmm. so it, it's, there's the, the, the avoidance of suffering it was Scott Peck's book uh, a while back. I don't know if anyone liked Scott Peck's stuff, The Road Less Traveled. But once one um, quote that stuck with him, him is something to paraphrase is um, All neurosis results from the attempt to avoid legitimate suffering. Life is painful when you face the reality of it. If we face it and embrace it, and this is Jesus come to, to, to take on that suffering for us so our suffering can be like his and produce fruit. When we face legitimate suffering, we're going to have to grieve over things. And some things aren't going to be the way we have to face it. Some things aren't going to be we want them to be. We have to let go. And, and certain things are pain. But then there's also in a new community that forms out of that where there's deeper, richer relationships. We know God, so there's a there's a fruit to that. But I, I don't know what you can do in the world with people. I think we can just bear witness, and I, I think we have to stop arguing about it. I think the main thing that um, the church needs to do is be the community that, that is different, so that when people are really in pain, we can come and, and maybe offer some love in some way. That's one of the things I think is good about getting older. You care less about so many things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I'm really, I love to be home. And my friends think I'm goofy that I don't want to be out there among them. And I don't care what they think really. You know? <laughs> Well, there's a, there's, I mean, because in, in the clearest sense of, of our vocation as Christians, the, the goal is, is to live life faithfully in preparation for good death. I was up there, and Father Francis, they had a monk who died up there. And they talk, he talked about the rituals they go through. They, they go in, they, 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 um, the various liturgies they go in, and the, and the monks go and take, and take turns just sitting by his, his bed praying prayers, saying what they want to say, and going to liturgies. But, but this is, that's, um, this is another thing that, again, we have to be willing to be countercultural because we're, we're a youth, everyone celebrates youth, but youth is stupid. And not well. That's too strong. Youth is unwise, is what it is. It, it's unwise. It hasn't learned. And we get everyone gets older now. They want to try to be young again. It's like, why don't you? Why don't you try to? Why? Because in 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 Christ, we're, we're yeah. It's, it's painful. Yeah. Part we all want to be younger, stronger than we than we than we are now. But we understand that's part of the necessary pain of life. Life is mortal, and the grace of aging and getting weaker, uh, it happens to everyone somewhere around 30. I mean, 
there's there's a point. You, you, I remember Zach laughing. It's like, oh, I'm going to get strong. You're like, I'm not going to get strong ever again. <laughs> now you just got to hold on. You know, just, you know, not be faster. No, won't be better at I won't be better at anything. But that's life. You got. And, but and I, I, I promised myself. I, I, I hope I'll hold myself to it that I'll, I'm going to try to age gracefully because I'd go see people. And I, I didn't want to be judgmental, but I go see people. And, oh yeah, I just can't read, can't do anything. It's, I, you know, and, it's, I, and I, I felt like saying some people are like, did, did you think that you did you really think that like you're just going to hold on at, at, at some idealized age? With, I mean, I, I I could understand. Yeah, I'm sad that I can't. Unless, yeah, it's sad. It's hard to let go of that. I, I I'm not I'm not I, I'm not speaking against the emotion. Of letting go, which is a legitimate part of of, of grieving, emotional <laughs> loss relationship. But this indignancy, like, how did this happen to me? You know, like, it's like oh, pretty much, it's pretty ecumenical. It's pretty ecumenical. <laughs> but some people just go into that weakness as well. I mean, there are like ninety-eight-year-old bodybuilders. I see all this stuff on YouTube when I'm watching it. Not that. <laughs> you know, of people that that they really eat healthy and take care of their body, and they're not trying to be young. They're just, I mean, we have, we still have an eternal nature. When we stay in prayer, it, we're all going to be, you know, around 30 in heaven. So it's just like, I think there's also... Is that, is that the theory? Is that really? Is that really? Or maybe my body is a lot more Well, if you see Jesus, like, he didn't look like a 90-year-old to them. It doesn't describe what he looked like, but... Well, he was only 33 when he died. Well, I know, but I don't know. I just I just know my grandma saw Somehow it transcends. If you understand, so 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 the point. So let's let, let's let's move on here to verse seven because this this is a good um, the logic of faithfulness and pain only makes sense in light of verse eight. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my ad- adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. Who is he will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Now, it realized, I realized when reading this, I, it, I really think that um, perhaps when St. Paul wrote Romans, the end of Romans 8, he had this passage in mind. Um, because he says, um, what then should we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare us on something, delivered up for us all. How she not with him also for the against all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is God who justifies? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is risen even as the right hand of God to make intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? So the idea of, of faithful endurance is we're not looking for the verdict from this world, but from God. And Christ has shown us that faithfulness through the necessary suffering of life brings the verdict from God of justified. And so we're going to have, we have a that's and and so that that's what we're aiming at, and that's what the servant is aiming at. He's not just getting beat up for the sake of getting beat up. The point is that faithfulness requires a certain amount of pain and faces a certain amount of opposition, but God will eventually vindicate. And that's exactly as we talked about when we read First Peter, exactly what Easter is about. Mm-hmm. Easter is God's verdict that this this one I'm this is the one I. I, 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 have my, I, I proclaim uh, to be justified. And therefore, everybody who does not put their faith in him, I declare to be guilty. That's the ultimate ground of judgment that the New Testament talks about. So we are doing this because the long term, you know, we, we, and we are, it's not just a future thing. We're justified now. We come to the altar and receive Christ. We're in this relationship with God. We have the peace now. 
And, and, and sometimes it, 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 the, the peace and the joy you experience in Easter is experienced alongside the temporal pain and suffering that comes with life in this world. That's just the way things are. But, but, but the eternal trans, transcends the temporal. And what happens, I think, with like the, the friends that Carol made a point about, which is just basically our world, is they want to... They want to evaluate the eternal in terms of the temporal. If God can't come and give me something that's good for me now, I'll come when it's ready. The only way we can live a real faithful Christian life is to turn that around and to evaluate the temporal in terms of the eternal. This, the, the story of Christ is a story we're living in. So how does what I'm going through now relate to that story? What are the themes of it? Oh, I, this is something I'm, I'm facing. It's difficult. I will persevere, try to do the right thing, and I'm going to trust God's going to come and vindicate and, and deliver. And that's our continual story. And again, those who, who scoff, who is my adversary that says, uh, excuse me, this is, indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. The case they're making for grab it now, five years from now, how, how is it? <laughs> Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. I guess I'm the person that I'm just interested. Um, and trust in the name of the Lord his God, which is, is to follow. And we should notice that um, when we studied First Peter, he had said, Christ uh, suffered for us, giving us an example that we should follow in his steps. So, uh, that's what it means to trust in the name of the Lord his God, is to follow the servant into this way of faithful living and the hope of our own vindication in the resurrection. As um, Philippians 2, uh, Epistle for Sunday said, let this mind be in you which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and made it self and new reputation. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. So this is the pathway to glory. And the thing we have to understand about this is this, it sounds good when we talk about it. You know, it's hard when we're doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like we talked about this morning, you know, oh, love one another as I've loved you. Oh, yeah, love, love, love. Until like, oh, that other, that one another? I have to love that? that. So it, 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 um, there's always someone who's hard, and that's the work of loving. That, and, and so the work of, of, um, of following is, is, is a work that we have to will to do and persevere in, and then we, we receive the benefit of it. The servant leads us in that way. Um, as far as we get today. So what we'll do next week, actually, I think it's, it's I, I, what I thought we'd do for Easter anyway, this is good, is that uh, we'll do Isaiah 50, so reading Isaiah 52, 13, the last servant song uh, on Good Friday, it's Good Friday Epistle, um, but we will look at that next Thursday, first Thursday and Easter, and I think what we'll do for Easter, look at some of the Old Testament passages about the resurrection, perhaps well, certainly, not perhaps, certainly Ezekiel 37, the valley of the dry bones, what res- res- resurrection looks like there, and other intimations of resurrection. And if we look at some resurrection passages in the New Testament. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's pray. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. Lord, lift up his countenance upon us, give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Good with you all, Jim, Phyllis, Connie, Mimi, and Ruth, who was hiding. Oh, but thanks. <laughs>